I'm Meg. I'm here with Eli, and we are on the phone with my friend Trent Mono. Trent, tell us who you are. Yeah. Uh, so I am. Uh, I live here in Utah. I've started a few different things. Uh, my main business is called Convoy. We're a, uh, a travel and events company, and we help uh, entrepreneurs and founders connect with each other through experience and adventure. Um, and then I've started a couple other things as well. Uh, main thing I'm working on right now is a nonprofit called Room Here. We focus on mental fitness in the workplace, um, and you know, men- mental fitness, mental health is a is a big passion of mine, and helping that no- helping to normalize that conversation. And then uh, also co-founded a thing called uh, the Sego Awards, which is the first award in Utah for female founders and uh, and CEOs. And our goal is to uh, to spotlight the amazing businesses and and things that uh, female founders and CEOs that have done that are generally being overlooked and are under the radar in the in the Utah business community. Cool. Trent, I, uh, in my former life, attended a lot of banquets and award ceremonies for mm-hmm. business, and the Sago Awards is the only ceremony I ever enjoyed sitting through. So, <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Way Thank to you. go. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, you know, I think I think a big part of it is the that like people, the people in attendance actually cared about like seeing women being recognized and all that stuff. And you know, it was an awesome topic. But yeah, I do think that we did did things in a in a fun and unique way. So yeah, I loved it. That was Meg's way of saying she's won a lot of awards in her life. Yes, and that's <laughs> starting with reflections in the fifth grade. The list has just kept growing since then. <laughs> Um, Trent, tell us what you've been watching. Yeah. Um, so I, my, I'm, uh, uh, been, just been watching, uh, Brooklyn nine, nine recently <laughs> has been my, like, my, like total, like brainless detached from everything. I, I just, I just love all those parks and rec, go, um, good place, all those and Brooklyn nine, nine just, just does it for me in, in, in a really fun low low stakes sort of a way so it's, it's, that's what i've been been going through right now fun um eli well first of all this morning i watched uh dolly parton dropped a six minute video of herself getting the vaccine yes incredible content <laughs> coming from dolly there it is honestly like the most the most pleasant six minutes of my life she sings jolene but she changes the words to vaccine and it's phenomenal. At one point, she says, I'm getting vaccine because I'm old enough and I'm smart enough, too. <laughs> I, a couple of things, would buy that shirt to wear to get vaccinated. It's the perfect vaccine shirt. It's got the shoulder cutouts. Yeah. I'm like, Dolly, where's the merch? I'll buy it. <laughs> and she calls people cowards. Like, yeah. At one point, she goes from being pleasant to like, listen, all you cowards. And I'm like, Dolly, you're fiery. And I'm she, into it. She also does seem slightly scared to get it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she keeps glancing over like, this is taking a while. <laughs> she makes several cracks at the doctor because he's a thousand years old and takes a thousand years to give her the vaccine. <laughs> Oh, man. Anyway, I'm yeah, you guys bookmarking that for later. I <laughs> you gotta check it out. You have to watch it, it. It's one of those things where I saw how long it was, and I was like, obviously, I'm not gonna watch this whole thing, but I want to get the kind of the vibe. And then six minutes later, I was like, is that it? <laughs> Done. <laughs> <laughs> so d- definitely check that out. Okay, so I attempted with all my might to watch that stupid movie. Uh, I 
just what is it called? I care a lot. I care a lot. I can't even think what it's called on Netflix. People have been talking about it. I guess people like it. I don't know. I could not get through it. I think it is so boring. And then also, like, I'm always turned off whenever, like, a movie does the, hey, here are a couple, like, straight women, hot women being lesbians together, and they make out for no reason periodically throughout the film to try and, like, bring in more viewers. Like, that's a big turnoff to me. And so I was just like, blah. Because you're homophobic. Because I am deeply homophobic. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's just all these things I'm like... There are so many, like, films, TV shows, you know, whatever else, of, like, two hot lesbian women, like, constantly making out or, you know, having sex or whatever. I'm like, this is not an accurate depiction of 99% of actual lesbians. Yeah, that's a movie made for straight it's men. For stra- it's, yeah. it's made for straight people. And so, like, it's like, this isn't telling an LGBTQ story. This is telling a story for straight people to, like, have a good time with it. So, I don't know. It's not my thing. Okay. But do you, you heard, because you texted me and said that it was divisive. Yeah, I've heard people really like it or really hate it. I mean, okay. she just won the Golden Globe. Yeah. So, I guess. But, you know, those people are, like, old Germans who... <laughs> Who knows what? But like. Diane Weiss is in it. I do love Diane Weiss. And, and she's good. She, you know, that was actually why I watched it because I saw that she was in it and I, I like her. And so I was like, oh, I'll check it out. But nah, thumbs down, two thumbs down from this guy. Okay. How about you, Meg? Um, We are still going on Frasier. Okay. How, how many seasons are there? There's a bunch. And, you know, we'll stop eventually when it starts to not be as good, which happens probably around season five or whatever. Oh. But what a joy. What a delightful, we usually get into episodes and okay. just frivolity and 90s. Some of it hasn't aged super great, mm-hmm. but it's a nostalgic experience for me. That was my favorite show when I was in junior high because I was a very weird kid. And it's just fun to revisit those. And a lot of it still holds up. Mm. Really enjoying Frasier. And then I watched the Golden Globes. Trent, did you watch the Golden Globes? I did not. I caught the... You caught the announcements on Twitter as they're as they're happening, but that was the, the that was the way to do it. It was mm-hmm. a hot, hot mess. <laughs> it was traumatic to watch all these people have Zoom malfunctions. It was too real. What I want from award shows is decadence uh-huh. and celebrity and glamour, and it was people in their pajamas not being able to connect to Zoom. And I'm I'm out. If that's what the Oscars is. I'm going to pull a trend and get my news from Twitter because <laughs> you're, you're like, I, I, I look at slubs on, on, uh, on, on zoom all day. I don't, I don't need more of this. Exactly. <laughs> I, I do want my award shows to be a hot mess, but not because of zoom. Like I, I want the, uh, the Academy award goes to la la land, you know, instead oh. of moonlight kind of hot mess. I want yeah. people in tuxedos hot mess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not Jason yeah. Sudeikis in tie dye. Oh. What happened to him? I mean, his wife ran away with Harry Styles. Yeah. So, wouldn't you? He's having a year. Wouldn't you look high and like you just woke up? (laughs) People have been posting pictures of him uh, up against like women in like gorgeous gowns for the award show. And like, this is what men get to wear to these things. And this is what women are expected to wear. I don't know about that, though. Jodie Foster was in pajamas. Chloe Zhao was in like a uh t-shirt. I think... I don't know about yeah. that argument. <laughs> I say overall, that is fair. The the bar for men is so much lower. It I mean, is we low. Can get a, get away with basically anything. Yeah. Oh, don't remind me. <laughs> all right. Um, <laughs> and then we all watched Minari, and I Trent invited you here today because I've had the pleasure of hearing you share your experience as an Asian American 
Um, and it's always very insightful and opens my eyes to a lot of the realities that I don't face in my day-to-day life. And I will say Minari was not what I was expecting. I was expecting a movie about a family who deals with more overt racism. Yeah. And that that's yeah, yeah, not that for sure too. I that's not what this movie game. There was racism in it, but it wasn't the point of the movie. Mm-hmm. But it's it, I think it's so brilliant because it's a movie about a Korean family that's also about every American family. Um, mm-hmm. And I think in that way, it portrayed the Asian American experience better than a movie that was about overt racism mm-hmm. might have. Uh, but Trent, mm-hmm. I want to hear your response and how you like this movie and if you have any critiques of it. Yeah, totally. no, I loved it. it, it it's, uh, you know, obviously we're not going to get into, into spoilers and, and whatnot, but it, it's a, it's definitely a hard watch. You uh, can, you, you can know, get uh, into spoilers. Um, oh, we, okay. okay. Yeah. Spoiler uh, alert. Well, Okay, spoilers. So, it, yeah, it's definitely a, it's definitely a tough watch because the you know being an being an immigrant family moving to America, um, having basically nothing, um, and yeah, it's doesn't get easier for them as as time goes on. It's just one thing after another of of difficult circumstances. Um, so yeah, it, it's it it, it really. Um, drove home to, like a few things for me personally one um both me and my wife were both asian american i'm japanese uh and she's uh half half japanese half chinese um we're both like fourth generation so family's been here for a while mm-hmm. but um but both of our families uh three out of the four sets of grandparents were farmers um so this wow. this mess th- yeah so it, like really like was was very much of like oh, seeing how hard it it was for them, like like growing up, being uh, starting from nothing, um, and just like always at risk of losing everything. Um, yeah, it was just very mm. uh, very impactful, to, and it drove that home of like like how much my uh, like our grandparents went through to um, give a better life for their uh, for their kids and and uh, posterity. Do you know why they immigrated? Yeah. Um, so on. Um, so on. Actually, c- kind of different stories as far as why they came to America. Um, one. One of them on my on my. Uh, it, it, a lot of them was just kind of like the American dream, sort of a story. You know, like like very similar. This is like early 1900s, uh, trying to get get here for better opportunities, all that. So that that probably sums sums it up without getting too much too much into it the circumstances around how two of the three became um became uh farmers were uh, having to do with world war ii um so my grandpa um was owned a grocery store a pretty successful grocery store in la um and then my wife's grandpa was a Stanford educated um, lawyer, um, so was practicing law in the Bay Area, um, and he and World War II happened. So my family voluntarily migrated. That that was like an option that very few Japanese were able to take advantage of, um, and moved to Utah. And then my uh, my on my wife's side, her family was put into the internment camps in Wyoming. Oh wow! Um, so. Yeah, so in both cases, like, literally, like, 
take what you can fit in suitcases and go like leave everything, leave your life behind um, and starting from scratch. Um, and so on my, on my wife's side, she was uh, after the, they're in the tournament camps for two years, um, you know, 120,000 Japanese, um, 70% of them were Japanese American citizens um, were put into these camps. And then afterwards they're just like, okay, now they they moved them to Sigurd, Utah, which now is nothing. But you think about <laughs> seventy years ago, you know. So they so basically they they were just put there and said, "Hey, go find go find work." And so they they uh, found work on on a farm, and then eventually were able to um, buy their own land and were able to um, you know gradually accumulate more and more land. But you know. Thinking back to, uh, you know, relating it to the story of just like, oh, they just had nothing. Literally, like, started with, with just like this tiny little plot and were able to, and, you know, does the irrigation work? Does, is, yeah. is, are the crops growing? All these things. Yeah, it was just, it was just really, uh, really, really a tough, tough watch to see, like, how, how much they had to struggle. Mm. That that was this movie helped me realize that the genre of film that is family relies on a farm and it's not going well is a genre I really struggle with. Because <laughs> yeah. I was I you know I didn't feel like this was like I I would not ref- call this a depressing film or a sad film. I actually think it's really a sweet movie. It like made me but when it ended I like felt really happy about it. Uh, but as you watch it, there is like that kind of internal stress where you're watching this man really, really want to start this farm. He doesn't have a lot of experience or really any experience with it, but he thinks he can mm-hmm. figure it out. And just like watching him struggle, watching his wife throughout the film, sort of feeling that internal stress of like, well, what are we going to do? Like we're running out of money mm-hmm. and you know, yeah. they're not getting along very well. And the kids are feeling the stress of their parents not getting along. That, that is a, a difficult mm-hmm. thing to sit through. Um, the grandma showing up on the scene is like the breath of fresh air that makes all of that kind of work, I think. Yeah. I mean, this movie would have been a tough slog without the grandma. Yeah. She was an unnecessary character that was so necessary yeah. to making this movie as successful as it is. Just such a bright, hilarious, mm. wonderful character. And you don't, at least I, I did not expect her character to be like that. You know, they sort of talk about her a couple times before she shows up. It's like, well, grandma's going to come. We want to have a nice place for grandma to sleep. We want to, you know, make sure we're, we impress grandma. And I sort of had in my mind, like, okay, it's a film set in the 1980s. Um, grandma's coming in to, like, whip these kids into shape. She's going to be, like, this strict authoritarian Mary, Mary Poppins. Grandma shows up, and Grandma is a hot mess. <laughs> and she's so lovely. And it's just like, okay, well, that's good, because this family that is feeling a ton of stress right now needs this kind of energy to be injected into it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I loved her relationship with David, the, the, little, the little son, how, mm. uh, how it evolved. And how he's just like you're not a real grandma, you know. You, yeah. you, you swear you you don't do any of the things that you don't bake, you don't do any of the things that regular grandmas do, you know. And, mm-hmm. and like seeing him evolve into and having this just such a sweet relationship where you know he goes from from giving her pee to drink, <laughs> and the, and and then yeah, just like a really sweet relationship by the by the end. I I, I really love that that evolution. 
My favorite scene of the movie is the scene where the parents have learned that David made his grandma drink pee. Mm-hmm. And they instruct him to go get the stick because they're going to hit him with the stick. And But the stick yeah, is broken. Yeah. He maybe he broke, broke it. Broke it. <laughs> yeah. He broke it. And so they send him outside to go get another stick. And grandma is not happy she doesn't want to see david mm-hmm. hit mm-hmm. he comes back inside with a limp weed <laughs> and she's so excited for him it's just yeah. a, she's like you are so smart you won this yeah, yeah. <laughs> grandma taking the grandson's yeah. side is like so classic when she was the victim of his crime yeah and she's just like it was all fun we're all good it's such a grandma theme yeah. you know like as a parent to children who have grandparents the grandparents 99 times out of 100 are going to take the kids' side. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if that's your experience with children. But yeah, yeah, no, de- definitely, yeah, for sure. And it's just such a universal grandma thing to do, and it really endears you to the character, and I thought it was yeah. very effective. Eli, what was your overall impression of the movie? I-, I love it. This is a movie I would recommend to absolutely anybody. Yeah. You know, it, I think this has appeal in a very for a very, very broad audience. I'm... I'm really interested in Meg. You said uh, that this was a film that didn't that showed some racism without it being overt, and that was the kind of the big impression that I had about that. That I thought was really well done. The scene where the family decides, okay, we, let's all go to church together. I thought was a really fascinating kind of depiction of this. And they show up at this church with a bunch of white Kentucky people and Arkansas. or Arkansas people. Nobody is mean to them. And in fact, a bunch of people are really welcoming and nice to them. You know, there's the, the the mom is like talking to a couple of women and she's like, my English isn't very good. And they're like, we'll help you with that. You know, they're like trying to be welcoming and warm. But throughout all of those interactions that the kids are having with the other kids and the mom and so forth, there is sort of an element of like, oh, we noticed that you're different and we're pointing it out. And I thought that that was, that was scripted so, so well. I'd be curious to hear what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, absolutely. I I, I wrote I wrote down a, a couple of things from that scene. Um, the the little girl. There's two scenes back to back. One with the daughter and one with the son. Mm. The the daughter had had a little girl come up to her and she said, "Hey, can you can you stop me if I say something in, in your language?" Ching chong, ching chong, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. and, uh, uh, and and like me and my wife as a relative, like, oh, we've had that happen before. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, you know, and, and then and then and then the little boy. Uh, so there's another boy that comes up to him and, uh, you know, little, uh, Caucasian, uh, Arkansas boy. And he says, why is your face so flat? You know? And, and, and again, like, like you're saying, these aren't like, they're not calling them like racial slurs. Yeah. Or they're not like, like saying, go back to your home. But there's these, just like you, just like you said, he like, there's these like very clear things of like, oh, you are so different to me. Let me explore the ways that you're different, you mm-hmm. know. And that, and that, and that to me was um, a really, yeah, a really great like, uh, without having to spend very much time on it at, at all. Like a very great like insight into like what I think is the average Asian American experience. Okay. I don't, I don't, you know, I don't want to speak for, for everyone. Cause I definitely have experienced like some blatant racist mm. racism. I've, I've, uh, had people that have like, you know, yelled at me from a big old, big old red truck, yelled at me to go back to China, yes. you know? And I, and like, I've had, I've had those experiences and I, I'm like, you know, as a Japanese person to be yelled at, to go back to China <laughs> is like frustrating 
but also for me, it was frustrating because it's accurate because I had been in, in China like six months prior to that. Clairvoyant racist. Yeah, I'm like, God, that racist really knew a lot about me. Uh, but, but yeah, I, I think a lot of the experience is, is just like, oh, you're you, you look so so much different from what I'm used to. Mm. Let me explore that. Let me understand that, you know? And like, you know, for example, like my middle name is Yasuo. Um, it's a Japanese middle name. And like most of the time that, that I say that people say immediately say like, um, say, Oh, what's that mean? They're like, Oh, interesting. What's that? What's that mean? You know? And like, mm. I've never had to add, never had to answer like, when I say, when I say my name is Trent, I've never once had anyone say, Oh, what does Trent mean? Mm-hmm. You know? And, and so it's like, it's just a name to me, yeah. you know, and it's yeah. like, you know, like nobody has to explain that unless your name, unless you come from like a different, uh, different race. And then it's like, Oh yeah, you now have to explain who you are, what, what you are, what you eat, what you, what your background is. Mm. And that's not racist, mm. but it's just a, like, it, it's just a, a thing where, everyone wants to fit in, right? Like, we're all, like, as far back as, like, the caveman, like, we all want to belong to our tribes. And so when you have this thing that, like, you can't change anything about, you just show up and you're going to, like, look different from, from everyone else. And it, and it's just, like, this reminder, like, hey, I'm not 100% an insider here. Mm. And, that and like, to always have those reminders, like, it's... it's and it's, like, very... Um, I honestly think that most of the time, especially in Utah, people's heart is like very much in the right place, but it's, it is a constant reminder like, Hey, you're not like us. You're not, you're not, the, you're not the same. I love that about you mm-hmm. that you're, that you're different, you know, and, and, and I want to understand it better. Um, but it is this reminder that like, Oh, you're different than me. I, w- I want to understand why. So it, it, it's difficult because like, you don't want to be like, overly sensitive about that and because everyone has things that that you're that are different about them mm. you know and so it's like not unique to minorities to have things that are different but it's like it is different to be able to like visually see like oh you've got this thing that i don't understand and you're like oh i kind of like can we start with the things that you do understand about me and like that are similar and, you know i like i don't know so it is kind of a and it, yeah, it is definitely like a, a unique experience being a being a minority in that in that regard. Well, and I think I I think this movie is so effective in showing. I mean, like you said, I've moved to a new place before, and I've worried I wouldn't fit in. You know, we moved to Colorado. I'm mm-hmm. Mormon. It was not a Mormon majority place where I came from. I was worried about fitting in, right? But I didn't have a marker in my appearance that signaled mm-hmm. to people that I was different. And this movie yeah. does such a good job of showing just the added level of anxiety race can add to a situation when you're already feeling out of your element and mm-hmm. new and scared. And, the, uh, you know, again, it wasn't overt racism. It was just their anxiety over, I just want this to work. I just want to fit in. I just want to go to church and have that sense of community. I just want friends. And here's one more thing that's making that harder. And that yeah. I just really appreciated that perspective because I started this movie thinking this is going to be a movie I've seen before mm-hmm. and I want to be empathetic, but it's going to be exhausting watching these people be persecuted over and over. And they weren't persecuted, but they were treated differently. And like you said, no one had ill intentions toward them. 
they just weren't as aware of they should have been. And I, for me, that was more illuminating than the movie I was expecting to watch. If I think that if you've if you've never been a, a, a minority or belonged to some kind of minority group, it's probably really difficult or even close to impossible to understand how exhausting it can be to constantly have to be thinking about the ways in which you're standing out to the people around you. And yeah. I, a, a few years ago, I had a friend, uh, I have a really close friend who's Polynesian, and she had told me one day that it was really exhausting to her because she spent so, so much time in groups of friends. Of their, you know, she's the only person who's not a white, white in the group. And she would talk about like going out and just like constantly knowing that I'm standing out in this group is like really kind of gets tiring. It's really exhausting. Um, I've never obviously experienced that as a, a white dude. And that was really interesting for me to hear being married to a, a man. I'm, you know, constantly thinking about like affection and that we show in public and just like constantly thinking about like the extra baggage that comes with that, that I think you know, that that's probably the closest I can ever come to relating to what that experience feels like. And I thought this movie did a really good job of showing this family just sort of like go into the church, you know, be a part of that, get pointed out a bunch and then leave and then be like, let's not go to church anymore. You know, and like that was kind of it. Um, and yeah, it was it yeah. was really effective. The farm help character I could have done without. I'm not really sure what his purpose was. Oh, I liked him. He was he was just very odd. Trent, what did you think? Okay, so this is this is a this is a direct um, this is a direct connection to my own family and like our our experience. So this was this is a I, and I'd be curious to see if you think that I'm like completely off base. Good, but the there was a character in both of there's like families for both like all of our families involved that was always like a little bit. So granted, this is like, we're talking about like forties. So, you know, forties versus the eighties and like my own, my own family. Um, but whereas like was a little bit more taboo to, uh, not a little bit, a lot more taboo to, um, to empathize with Japanese at, the, at that time. Mm. And, and there was like always like a family or two that like really went out of their way to, uh, empathize and like, be like, hey, no, we're here for you. You guys are humans. You guys are Americans. Like, we're we're here for you. It doesn't matter. But they're always a little weird <laughs> because they weren't the like. They didn't think like everyone else did at the time, hmm. um, and so I I thought I was like, oh, like I, this is it's the Buellers in my family, and 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 then and then in Sarah, my wife's family, she's like, oh yeah, it's the Becks. Like the, <laughs> that, then they like we both had these families that we could that we could like relate this character to huh. so I, I i thought it was really interesting because I, I do think that you need to be like a little bit different to be naturally gravitating towards this group that is viewed as an outsider group so i i saw it as like two outsiders like coming together mm -hmm. and like uniting in their outsiderness that's interesting I, I like that a lot. I get. I think this character may. I think maybe the actor just went a little too hard for me, and so it kept pulling me out. <laughs> he was really weird because he, he was. was really he, weird. Yeah, yeah, he was beyond just like the weird guy in town. He he was like a nut job. I mean, but a sweet nut job. Yeah, yeah sure. And I I was waiting for the other shoe to drop the whole time because I was just like, is he going to end up being a murderer? Like something was like so mm -hmm. off about him. And when the movie ended, I was like, oh, he was just a nice, incredibly weird person. Yeah. But I like yeah. Trent's point. I think sometimes it takes an outsider to empathize with yeah. an outsider. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, 
Yeah. Um, this movie is autobiographical, so I wonder if uh, Isaac Lee Chung had someone in his life. Lee mm-hmm. Isaac Chung. Sorry, I reversed that order. Because um, his dad was a farmer, and I, I feel like there probably was some white guy in town who was, you know, the first person to help on the farm. Mm. Yeah, totally. Hey, can I bring up one one point? Uh, the the sticks was was that sticks that found the water was that new to you guys? Had you seen anything about that before? Sorry, about that before the, using the stick to find where oh, the well I had, is. Yeah, I had no idea what that was. It was vaguely familiar to me. What about you? Okay, yeah. So this, so there's, um, th- it has a different. This is kind of a fun, uh, like little weird, like internet deep dive that you can go down. So I think most. In most places, it's called water witching. So basically, what it this is like a real legit thing that sound. It's one of those things that's like real, but like uh, you wouldn't believe it, and like like there would be no reason why you would be like why you would assume that it is real. Mm-hmm. So it just like it just like it shows in the video, in the movie. There it, there's a guy that's holding a stick, and as he walks, then when it finds water, the stick just points down. So that's like. It's like this, like weird, like mystical thing hmm. that like certain people actually have the ability to do. So this is something that that a weird connection between my wife and my and my uh, grandpa, my wife's grandpa, and my and my grandpa. Um, so the Japanese American community, especially in Utah, is like really tight knit. So they knew each other despite living two two hours away. Um, but so this water witching is really crazy because it can only be like you can't learn it you have to be like transferred the power to <gasps> it. like the giver um, <laughs> yeah yeah so so it's like yeah it's it's something like you you can't have innately it, it, you you have innately but it's dormant and then somebody needs to like give you the the power so it like <laughs> i like i fully acknowledge how wacky that sounds <laughs> but like my this is this is something that like my grandpa actually could do wow um, and he and he could, and he couldn't do it until Sarah's grandpa taught him how to do that. Wow! And so it's and and then my grandpa he um, he went he tried to teach all of all of the grandkids. Um, he had fifteen fifteen uh, grandkids that were all there at the at the same time, and only one of the grand grandkids was able to do it. Um, and yeah, it's like it's legit. It's as kooky as it sounds, but it like is an actual thing that, that like farmers know about. And so, yeah, that, that wasn't just like a weird, like made up piece of the movie, but that was something that like actually exists. Well, there goes my afternoon. I'm going to be on YouTube for a while. (laughs) (laughs) What if I have that power and I don't know? And when would, when would you ever need to use it, Meg? Well, maybe I'll start a farm in Arkansas. It looked easy. (laughs) It looked like a good fun time. Has starting a farm in Arkansas look like a good fun time? There's a line yeah. in this movie where they're talking, and he said, things were so hard in Korea. And I I haven't stopped thinking about it. I mean, granted, I only watched it last night. And, I, you know, because you watch this movie, and you're like, how much harder could things have been in Korea? Because things are hard here. They seem so impossibly hard for you here. And I wonder if by hard it means nowhere to go no way to elevate in life poor, poor without hope yeah trent yeah. what are your thoughts on that yeah um so korea is pretty interesting um so i don't know a ton about korea um yeah. i i went to i've been to korea a couple of couple of times 
and it's such a cool place. Like I mm-hmm. love Seoul. I spent all I spent all my time in Seoul, and so you know I watch a watch a decent amount of uh, or my wife watches watches a ton of um, K dramas, and I've just started getting into them a little bit a little bit more. Um, and uh, but yeah, Korea is like very like Seoul's very modern, very. Um, you know, you, you, kind of like the impression that people have of, of Korea now is like, oh, it's just like this like very modern city. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like that very recently, you know, oh, okay. 20, 30 years maybe, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, and even like you go back like 50, 60 years, it was like like third world mm-hmm. sort, of, sort of a thing, you know? And so, so, I, um, so I think that it, it speaks, speaks a lot to like how, um, yeah, it, it really was like, like it's not like coming from like oh like Seoul moving here it's like, like oh why what was so hard about it back then but but like at that time it was a very very different place and I think that there wasn't um, you know Korea had been has been taken over like basically Korea's history has been has been that it had been taken over by like intermittently invaded by like China and Japan um, and just like companies the uh, countries like trading control over and like wars and korea just kind of being in the middle of it so mm. it korea's uh I, again i don't know it as much as i should know about like korean history but there it's a korea has a like very complicated uh past and and it took it took until very recently in the past like couple of decades to where it's what kind of people envision korea being you know it was interesting we went to tokyo a few years ago and we met up with some friends who are expats living there and they were explaining career paths in japan um and how people do pretty well uh but there's not this american ambition that we tend to have here for better or worse you know because i think the american ambition can drive some people insane but there's also not this you can be whatever you want to be it's you get in a career and you stay in a career and so I was watching this through kind of that lens of, well, they could have been moderately successful in Korea, but they couldn't have fulfilled the American dream here. But from what you're saying, it sounds like things were pretty bad in Korea. And yeah. this was their chance to yeah. have a better life. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because, yeah, they, they call, in Japan, they call them, the, what you're describing, they call them the salarymen. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's just like, basically like everyone is kind of like reaches like the same level and it's like like very attainable to reach the same level and it is comfortable but it's like you know like it's pretty hard to get past that but everyone kind of gets to that level as long as they have like a certain moderate amount of ambition uh, but yeah this in korea in the 80s would it that that's crazy to think that the 80s is like 1980 is 41 years ago no. oh my gosh <laughs> <laughs> I don't like that. <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah, so so like that like that country at that point was wasn't like that. It wasn't mm-hmm. like this like like high upward mobility um that um that we're thinking about in America and it, and it and it wasn't even uh yeah, what what you're describing in that is like modern day Japan. Uh. Um that that line, that whole interaction it was it's such a good movie it's so like i said at the top i think it's really an every american family story with the added enrichment of being about a korean family in america so it's a story you've seen before 
but there's this new, really interesting, really dynamic layer to it that I really enjoyed and made this movie feel so fresh and so charming and at times sad but sweet. Um, it just won the best foreign film for the Golden Globes, which is a little bit of a controversy because it's an American movie. It just happens to be a lot of it is in Korea. I enjoyed this more than any movie I've seen this year. (laughs) I think I won't be surprised if it's nominated for Best Picture. Oh, interesting. I don't know if they'll give a Korean movie. I mean, again, it was made in America, but it's in Korean. If they'll do that two years in a row, if they would give it best picture two years in a row because last year was Parasite but I liked it more than Nomadland Mm. what about you? Um, I think Nomadland is my favorite film I've seen in the last year but I give this a solid A and again would recommend it to anybody Trent your thoughts yeah I haven't haven't seen Nomadland yet but um, no I loved it and I I, yeah again similar, similar to you guys I think everyone can and should watch it and yeah like you're saying earlier Mick like I, I think it, they did such a I was expecting a very much very much more of like an Asian a specifically Asian American experience um, and I liked that it wasn't quite that mm-hmm. um, you know because like other films that uh, like that, that have had Asian like The Farewell for example mm-hmm. um, Meg I know you saw that one Eli did it's, you see The Farewell I lo- love that movie yeah yeah, yeah, I I loved it too, and you know I saw it at, saw it at Sundance, and um, like afterward, it was one of those things where I wasn't sure what other people enjoyed about it. Mm. Um, what Caucasian people, not non Asian um, people, mm. enjoyed about it? Because I, I was like, uh, <laughs> Meg, do you remember that when Owen was telling us about how he saw the Book of Mormon musical, um, and he was. And he was sitting next to somebody that was like laughing, and, and he's like, it's like, you know, I have to ask. I, I'm Mormon, and and I feel like there's like a lot of inside jokes, and I'm wondering what what you're enjoying about this. And he's like, you know what? I'm Jewish, and I've always thought the same thing about Seinfeld, <laughs> where it's like people didn't like, you know, how could you catch all the inside jokes and everything? Yeah. And so like, um, yeah, I didn't feel like I didn't come out of that, come out of uh, Minari feeling like that, whereas like. The farewell, I definitely did. Huh. If, if, uh, if uh, and even like Crazy Rich Asians, I felt that as well. Um, to where like me, like me and my wife went, and we we're definitely laughing at different parts than um, than the majority of the the rest of the people in the in the theater. You oh, know? interesting. Yeah. Um, but but I didn't feel any of that in um, in uh, in Minari, whereas like. Uh, like, oh, what are white people going to enjoy about this? You know, yeah. I, uh, I, I, it felt much more universal despite being uh, a foreign language film for the most part. That's I, I have a friend who was in the Book of Mormon musical and it came to Salt Lake City and she told me that um, they got laughs in different places in Salt Lake City than anywhere else. <laughs> and it was uh, funny. Yeah. I went to it when it was in Salt Lake 
And there's a song called Salt Lake City where this woman, and it's actually supposed to not be that funny of a song, and she sings about how she dreams of going to Salt Lake City. It's probably so beautiful. And people were scream laughing through this song. And I think in most other audiences, people, this would have been like a little bit more of an emotional part of the musical. People were laughing so hard because like this woman is dreaming of Salt Lake City in a way that is like an impossible standard to hold anything up to, but she's just never been there. And so she's like in Salt Lake City. Everybody smiles at you on the street and the streets are made of gold. And people were just laughing because we're like in Salt Lake City listening to this musical. And it was it was just kind of a funny circumstantial thing. And so I do think I love that. I think media um, is at its best when it does what you're talking about, Trent, which is appeals mm-hmm. to the group who can understand it on a very deep level, while also appealing to people who might not be able to relate to it on that deep level, but still see value in it. It's a very universal yeah. story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Well, uh, that's great. Uh, this movie is twenty dollars to rent. I am so glad I spent $20 renting it. I think it is well worth your time and money to check this out. And I, I'll be completely honest. I was not looking forward to watching this. I was expecting a slow, sad story. And it was not that at all. It was well-paced. It was delightful. It was funny at moments and very heartwarming. So uh, last thing uh, Isaac Lee Isaac Chung is he studied film at University of Utah so we can call him our own oh. he was actually preparing to take a job at the Asia campus which some I think uh, yeah anyway when he wrote yeah. this screenplay cool and that changed his whole trajectory and now he's a household name in my house anyway so cool yeah. do you guys have any final, final thoughts on Minari Minari not for me. No, I think I think we hit did a good job. Oh, well, actually, la- last thing that uh, the end scene of like the um, the grandma, the she, you know, we we didn't talk about the fire, mm-hmm. um, and and you know, she burned every burned all the all the crops and everything down, and then uh, and then you go to the end, and like the minari is like growing and thriving down by the stream you know so it's just like yeah it was like this uh i i felt like it was just like a really beautiful contrast yeah. of like the the being burnt down um and you have this thing that you don't realize how important it's going to be that is like kind of going in the background not the main focus and then it becomes like the only thing that they have um i thought that that part was like a really like beautiful um we, on on several different levels of, mm. of why why it was like a beautiful like way to end, yeah. end the film. Did Grandma destroy an entire ecosystem by planting Minari in uh, Arkansas? <laughs> <laughs> I kept thinking, oh, I wonder how she got those seeds through customs. <laughs> All those snakes are gonna die. Yeah. <laughs> My husband is deathly afraid of snakes, you mm-hmm. know, and so there's that part with the snake. Mm-hmm. The whole yeah. this whole movie, I was very worried about David's heart condition. You know, yeah. I was like, if this kid dies, yeah. I am going to oh. lose my mind because yeah. he is the most adorable child who yeah. has ever been on screen. Yeah. And he, yeah. toward the end, he's like, I can't stop thinking about the snake. I'm like, that's what you're thinking about the <laughs> snake. <laughs> Get it the, together. Uh, the the heart condition thing too, like that was a beautiful um, beautiful imagery of like 
whatever you guys are doing, keep make sure that you keep doing it because his heart condition got better, you know. Mm-hmm. And, so that, and so that ultimately, I felt like was such a such a big part of them staying together. Um, the mom and the dad of this, like them realizing, like, oh, this farm actually has been a healing thing, despite it seeming like just so chaotic um, and like and so stressful that the the doctor's like, yeah, make sure that you keep on doing whatever you're doing, you know. And so that was, uh, and to see them come together. Um, going from, okay, this isn't going to work to like him in the fire saying like, honey, where are you? You know, yeah. like, like, like that was, you just saw like the instant transformation, um, because it's him saying like, keep, keep it, whatever you're doing, make sure you keep doing it. And then like, when it, when it comes down to like this insanely stressful, like the worst, worst case scenario, it's like you, you kind of get pulled back to the people mm. you love. So yeah. yeah, it's just a lot of like really beautiful things. Her moving the crops in the fire, I thought was very touching mm-hmm. uh, and communicated mm, yeah, so much yeah. without a single line of dialogue. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah. Beautiful. It's just yeah, a beautiful was, movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really, that, that, that's, I, I hadn't thought of it like that, that make like, of like how much it was like, I am here for you. I sub- I've been supportive of you all the way, and I'm literally going to ri- risk my life right now to say to try to save this this months of hard work that that you've been doing for for our family. Mm. Yeah, because I care about you and I love you, and mm. that's yeah, yep. The end of the day. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Trent, thank you so much for joining us. It's been such a pleasure to talk yeah, with you is, about this movie this- and about your experiences. Yeah, thank you so much. This is uh, I'm glad that you that uh, you gave me the the nudge to watch this. This is on my radar, but I I hadn't made time to watch it yet. So I'm glad that uh, glad that glad that I did. And this was really fun to chat. Thank you so much. Um, please, those of you listening, leave us a good rating and review. Subscribe to our Substack at hivemind.substack.com. Become a patron of Hivemind at patreon.com forward slash hivemindhq. Did I forget anything? Mm, no okay if i did you've heard it a million times uh thank you so much for listening and we will be back next week